podcast listeners, and welcome to another Quiet Mind podcast. Coming to you from beautiful Jerome, Arizona. Well, you may have noticed that there is a someone or a something that seems to be looking to do stuff and become something else. The somebody or something that arises in our mind is something that we could call a seeker or someone who wants to know. So if you want to know what this is all about, if you have kind of a existential crisis in understanding who you are, why you're here, and where you came from, I don't think that I can give you those answers effectively because there's this interesting paradox here. And that is that this somebody or this one that is seeking, that wants the answers to these burning questions, the one that wants to become something, the one that wants to have wisdom and understanding, the one that's seeking contentment and spiritual knowledge, wisdom, and the feeling that one understands their purpose in life, this seeker is a problem. And that problem is, is that this one that is seeking, what you might call the way-seeking mind, the one that is trying to gain understanding from a deeper level, or what we might call a spiritual level, this is the one that thinks it needs to become, uh, now it's getting pretty popular, this is the one that thinks it needs to become enlightened, because when it, it sets itself up in, in believing that it's going to gain something from this concept of enlightenment, and the picture of the smiling chubby Buddha who is just bliss and joy all the time, seems to be in this state of uh, childlike wonder and bliss, this has now become a goal for that seeking mind, that searcher, the one that looks. Now it wants to become enlightened. Now it wants to become this concept that it has created. And the problem with this is, is the seeing or understanding as I've had a direct experience of. That's probably the wrong words. Um, it's hard to find words for that. That which we're searching for and the one that is searching are two things that we need to define. We're searching for the Buddha-like calm and peace because we figure if we have that, then we'll be able to be um, happy and be able to function in this crazy, chaotic world. Somehow there is, there is then a wisdom gain that one rises above the, the mediocrity and finds uh, peace and contentment no matter what is going on. Imperturbability, and I've spoken about this before, um, and the problem is this, the one that's seeking for that and the one that thinks that 
it needs to become enlightened in order to experience that, doesn't exist. It's just a concept. There's a concept. There's a, there's a thing we call me, mine, and I, a somebody. This is the one that's looking for some sort of magic pill to never have to experience pain, suffering, discomfort, discontent um, ever again because somehow it's, it's gained a skill, it's gained this wisdom that it can go into a state and not be perturbed by any of these things. And that is a sales pitch, and I've mentioned it before. This is something that we've been told, that we've, that we've been told by other teachers, but when one really has an understanding and this pop happens or this snap happens for the individual when they're pushing to seek to become something and understand then that there is no one to become anything. And this in and of itself is, it's a great release. It's like a 10,000 pound weight has been lifted off of your back that you've been carrying. Um, no longer needing to know something or learn something or become something that then makes life okay. Because the one that is observing, the one that is participating, it, it, has, has now gained some sort of secret trick and can rise above, like I said before, rise above this chaotic, uh, paradoxical um, world that we live in. So then what do we do? What's to be done? If there's no one there, there's no one home, then how do we then achieve the nobody home understanding? <laughs> Once again, we can see that there's, there's dualism here. There is one who believes that it needs to achieve something, right? And then there might be the other that believes that, you, that that cannot be achieved. And there's this back and forth between these concepts that arise in the mind around the persona that we've created, the me, the mind, the I, how it wants and needs and desires all of these things. It's like that Upanishad. You know, you are your deep driving desire. As your desire is, so is your will. As your will is, so is your destiny. As your destiny is, so is your deed. Whatever the thing is. Anyway, um, uh, if there is no one to have anything in mind for a change, then what happens in this not the moment. I've spoken to you about what I perceive the moment as is a continuum. There's never actually one, you know, comma that, that happens in our life throughout the day that becomes something that we try to then be in. Um, because then again, you still have the Robert trying to be in something. So these are two things that don't exist. First of all, the Robert doesn't exist. And secondly, the moment doesn't exist. So here are two things trying to be somewhere that don't exist. So you can see how this is a slippery slope into nothing. Because then there's just another 
mental construct or a paradigm around a Robert thing needs to get into a, a, uh, a construct that we call time. And within that structure, there's a thing that we call hours and minutes, days, weeks, months. But there's this one thing that's this brief blink of an eye that we call a moment that we have to get into. Again, another concept, another idea, another goal. And again, that is a goal that is seen, created, and then constructed by an individual who does not exist. So that's the, the, the paradox and this paradoxical enlightenment concept that we, we are trying to get something that we think that we don't have with a thing that we call ourselves that is a concept, it's an idea. So an illusory uh, being, <laughs> we could call it, is going after a concept that has been created by the humans called enlightenment that it believes once that this is achieved for itself, now it will be perfect. There will be a perfect uh, being, a perfect human being. And some of the practices that we have in order to become this perfect human being are this, practice compassion, practice empathy, we have to meditate, we have to be kind, we have to follow precepts, we have rules, we have the Ten Commandments, we have all of these things that if we become this holy person or this spiritual person and we never have bad thoughts, we never do bad things, we never react um, in a situation that, uh, in a way that could be called negative or aggressive or angry. And then there's this other thing where instead of feeling what we need to feel, we may say something like, it's all good, or all things happen for a reason. And this is kind of a, a bypassing of the arising phenomenon in the mind that are thoughts that are connected to, you know, our human conditioning and our mind and how it operates. We have these responses that come out of us. So now we're going to look at those and perceive that some of these responses are not what we would call spiritual. In other words, a spiritual person would not respond with an expletive when they stub their toe alone in the house. And if they did, they would, oh boy, you know, oh, that was wrong. That was wrong of me. I, I got angry and anger, anger is bad. It's a bad thing. Um, now I'm not condoning anger or angry behavior, this is the paradox that we're working within. Do you see then this sets up a dual, dualistic concept in the mind? There's a right way to behave and a wrong way to behave. There's a moment to be in and I'm not in that moment. There's a way to behave that will give me merit in the next life. There's a way to handle these crises with an open heart. Therefore, uh, when I pass away, I can live in a beautiful place with all my relations in peace and harmony. So what does that have to do with what I started out with? Understanding that this thing that arises within us that needs to become something, this somebody, that me, mine, and I, needs to assess its situation and understand that 
this is spiritual. These are spiritual actions and activities, thoughts and concepts. This is unspiritual. So there are two opposing ideas that arise within the mind. And these things are having a contest to see now who is going to be spiritual. So what I'm saying is there's nobody to become anything. These are just more concepts that are created by the mind and set up for us to run through all of them in this hope and expectation that if we have all of these ducks in a line, that we are going to be experiencing life without being perturbed, without being bothered. Even Krishnamurti said it. What's my secret? Nothing bothers me. Why? Because maybe he saw that he didn't exist. It wasn't that he developed and worked on and honed all of these practices and faked it till he made it. Maybe he has a secret that we don't know about. So there is no secret. Um, and trying to convey it in words has been uh, why I show up here and why I do this. Uh, it just happens. Somehow, whatever this energy, quote-unquote, is, comes through this you know, meat, bone, blood machine, shows up here inside of an old safe in an, uh, an old high school in Jerome, Arizona, and after a walk needs to uh, talk to you about these things. Uh, there's no reason for it. Um, no one has ever become enlightened. Um, we are not going to become enlightened no matter how hard we try, no matter what it is that we do. And the reason being is this. The one that is seeking enlightenment cannot become enlightened. If that one that is seeking enlightenment becomes enlightened and then claims enlightenment, now that's very interesting because that is what we might call like a superego, someone who claims to have special powers and the ability to be able to levitate and, uh, you know, turn uh, dirt into gold or whatever. So it doesn't matter if these skills are attainable or not. What I'm trying to talk about is the perception that we have of this puts us into a position that we believe we are lacking in something and therefore we need to fill the void with some sort of new special skill set called the enlightenment skill set. Then we get the enlightenment handbook and we go through the uh, steps to enlightenment until we get the enlightenment badge for our achievement. And now we have completed that goal that we've set up for ourselves. So the somebody, the me, the my, mine, the I, this persona, this construct, this illusory being, that which arises in all of us, I don't know, around the terrible twos, you know, because before that, we didn't even understand that we existed. Put in front of a mirror, we had absolutely no idea that what we were seeing was a reflection of ourselves. So for some reason, this brain creates a persona. It creates self-awareness. It creates the ability for us to be able to say, I am here. I am feeling this. This is mine. This is not yours. This is mine. 
And uh, I feel, I think, I become, I want, I need, you know, this belongs to me, this is mine. And I, I exist, here I am, I know that, I can tell that I'm not you, uh, I'm my own separate self. And in this creation of auto autonomy, we believe that we've become separate from something because the, the grand illusion is we are all separate from all of these different things because I can tell that I am not that, you know, radio over there. <laughs> I'm, I'm Robert and I have this body and I feel, I smell, I taste, I touch, I think, I can perceive, I can conceptualize things on a, on a very complicated level. And I know what's real and I know what's not real. So this concept that has been created in this understanding that I am separate from all of you and all the rest and all things, that's part of the thing that we construct because this is a scary world. And in a sense, we need to have this understanding of a separate identity to be able to overcome the fear that we have in, in being in this world and operating in it and trying to survive. We need to have that sense of separateness for protective reasons. So we're protecting this body, we're protecting this being, and we're watching out for it. We don't step out into traffic. It's called self-preservation because there is an awareness of a separate self that needs to be operated. It's operated by this understanding of self-awareness. So this is wonderful, but this is also not so good when that sense of self creates or sees itself and idolizes itself as godlike, this separate, this separate entity that is special, unique, this special sunflower. I am this, I have a soul, and I have a personality, and these are all of my things that I own that represent and show you who I am and what I am. This perception of self is gotten out of hand in its protective nature of the, the meat machine here, the little skeleton bone thing. It's gotten, it's gotten out of hand, it's run amok. It's like the Sorcerer's Apprentice in Mickey Mouse. It's got, it's got too much power and not enough wisdom to understand how to be able to operate this thing in uh, a way where it, it can feel content because the drive is always for something to change, something to be other than it is, to have more, to do more, to understand more, to gather more, to be able to feel like it's building that little castle with the moat to protect itself because it understands because it has the du the dualistic tendencies it understands just how vulnerable it is because it knows that it's nothing but smoke and mirrors this perception the self-awareness the i me and mine understands its vulnerability and it knows it doesn't exist, so it needs to create these constructs around itself, quote-unquote, to be able to protect itself. It's the wizard hiding behind the curtain, hoping that nobody pulls the curtain aside and just sees this, you know, crazy old man back there with a bunch of switches and <laughs> TV screens and stuff trying to control things. And 
The thing is that the control comes from what we might call an emotional standpoint. In other words, it builds up all of these stories around how it feels, what it thinks, what it knows, its opinions, and it, it treasures these things and guards them because that is what creates its identity. So with that identity, it, it, it uh, then can function in, under, in an understanding that it, has, it exists. The more information that it has, the more feelings, thoughts, stories, memories, the more concrete the belief system comes into play. I exist. I am here. Not only that, if I can taste, touch, smell, all these other senses that I have, they uh, corroborate the story that I exist. So when we look at this through the ancient wisdom teachings that are out there, we ask these questions, who am I? Am I the body? Well, the body is not permanent. Am I all the senses that I have? Well, these things come and go. Well, then I'm my mind, right? My brain. Well, one day that'll be worm food. I don't mean to be so graphic, but it'll be worm food. We'll be dust. Does, so then, oh, we create a concept of a soul. So we have this thing that we call a soul that will migrate into other experiences and realms beyond our understanding at this time right now. So we're so special, <laughs> you see? We're so special and unique that even after we die, there is some aspect of us energetically that goes beyond this reality into other realms of learning. And that's, that's one that's really interesting to me. Not only is the experience we're having here a school and a place to learn how to be a good human, but after that, our soul will migrate to other, other uh, uh, dimensions that may be parallel to this to go on in further learning of things that we don't comprehend right now and cannot understand. But that which is Robert will go on forever into eternity. So, wow, I am, I am really special. Not only uh, do I have this incredible identity and personality here as an artist, a musician, a podcaster, but even after I'm gone, <laughs> the, the, the body has been dumped. There's this aspect of Robert that's going out into the universe to continue his good work. <laughs> Okay, I don't know what gets more inflated than that. I mean, I love the concepts like that Alan Watts bring up and Carl Sagan, these ideas that who we are and what we are is the cosmos. We come from the stars and, and we're, we are the universe. We are the one song. We are everything. Well, that is true in my understanding. That's what I have seen, that we are all these things but not in the context of the way that the mind perceives it and the way that the ego would attach an understanding to that concept. This goes beyond that, way, way beyond. I call it now the ineffable because what we really are is not perceivable or conceivable. This is a great quote from Uncle Niz. I like to call him Uncle Niz, Nizargardatta. Um, that's what he said. What is, what, what are we? Okay. What is the absolute? 
nothing perceivable or conceivable. So everything that we think we are, we can say, not this, not this. Nothing that we perceive or conceive is what we think we are or what we're going to become or what we will float out into the cosmos as the personality and soul of Robert. There's no doubt that we are interconnected, but the understanding of this based primarily on form and how we perceive form is only one way to understand it because this form in and of itself is all impermanent as well. Someday, all of these things will go away. So there's nothing concrete to grab onto. I'm standing inside of a concrete vault. One day, this is going to be gone. All of these things are. We're always trying to grasp on and hold to something that's physical that we can relate to and say, this is me. And if knowing that the concrete things will fall away, then I can create a concept of, I am spirit. I know this may upset some of you. So now we have a concept of, okay, so I'm not the body, and I'm not the mind, and I'm not the feelings, I'm not the emotions, I'm not the stories. So therefore, I am spirit. And I am spirit having a human experience. And after this crappy old human experience where I need to come down here and go to school and learn something about being a better person, then I can ascend on to the next levels. When I come back to this one again, because I'll be reborn, it'll be better because I've done better. I don't know if I'm buying that one, really. I think that there is no linear time. I think that what we perceive of as a linear timeline, I don't think that exists. I think that we've created time and we need it. We need to be places on time. We need to have trains and planes and you know all that stuff and that runs on this construct that we call time. But time as we see it, if we go beyond the the manufactured physical analytical critical viewpoint of time and we go beyond that then we could see that there's a continuum here i mean all you need to do is look at pictures from the hubble telescope to see this massive amount of galaxies and stars and planets all in this infinite space of emptiness flowing along doing its thing and we're trying to take all of that infiniteness and compartmentalize it down into concepts and measurements and these are all fine we need them in this physical world we need all of these tools but this approach is going beyond all perceivable conceivable concepts going beyond that and not trying to create an answer to a question that cannot ever be answered by humans. This ineffable absolute, this also could be seen as a concept until one can come to this realization, I don't know. 
thank you for listening. I hope that we speak again very soon. Thank you very much. And you can contact me, robert at aquietmind.com. And the podcast also could use your help. We have a site on Patreon. It's patreon.com forward slash a quiet mind. And I've been doing some things on Facebook. If you want to find me there, it's, you know, facebook.com forward slash a quiet mind podcast.